Welcome to episode 755 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righty, team, welcome along to episode 755 of Iron Talk with Coach John Euston and Bevan James. Oz, how you going, mate? Good. I'm pretty grateful, Bevan. You're sitting there, you're healthy, you're alive. Alive is number one. <laughs> that is number Which one. Which is, you know, you never know what can happen in these things. <laughs> oh, very nice that you're very grateful. Yes, and I, I, I had my operation last week, John. Total success. Yep. Um, feeling actually post op, feel really great. I've got a bit of nerve problems, so they'll take a bit of time to come right. And you're so busy. That uh, turned up here today, and Bevan, Bevan's front door, he's got his big red front door. You, if you ever come to Bevan's place, so look for the red door, yep. and then a couple of strips of glass down the side, yep. poke, poke through there. Bevan's so busy, he's out there windows. cleaning his bloody deck. <laughs> when I was cleaning my windows, because I did my windows before we went to the hospital, and some bird shit on my windows, John. <laughs> no. I was not happy, so I was out there just doing that little bird shit. Problem is, when you, like, we love, we're, we're very lucky, it was a beautiful view, and it's, with modern technology, windows are great. You know, you, you look at old houses on hills and they've got small windows, whereas nowadays mm-hmm. you can have these big windows that make the most of your view, but window cleaning becomes a bit of a burden. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by... The Legends brand. Oh, the Legends brand. It's cool gear, team. If you want to get some cool gear, look like a cool athlete, you can check out Legends brand. Uh, John, also our patrons. James, the wise one, Botel. He, he must be one of the longest patrons of all time. Mm, I think so. Good man. Richard, don't mess with the scary bear or Waddington. And Gareth, the mighty Flynn. John was just telling me that over the next month it might be one-hour shows because there's not much happening in the triathlon world. There is not. When's Ironman New Zealand? Another month away? Mar- first weekend of March. We've got Challenge Wanaka in February, Ironman New Zealand. There'll be a few Australian races starting to kick into action. But yeah, obviously with not much else going on in the rest of the world, um, not much industry news and not much news in general. Okay, well we're going to have to wing the crap out of it. John, this week we've got some news. Mm-hmm. Not much of it. Uh, hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. Great interview. We are talking to Kyle Smith, who won a race down here in New Zealand and is currently undefeated over the 70.3 half Ironman distance, four from four. And that's up against some pretty decent competition as and well. And that was a good effort last weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, Coach's Corner. Very short Coach's Corner on uh, if you want to try to do a off road triathlon. And then uh, we've got one of the week. John Swims. He's done, uh, he told me. Two swims in 24 hours. I swam yesterday afternoon and this morning, and I'm going to swim tomorrow. It's called panic training. <laughs> <laughs> Pan- panic training, that's called. Panic. We've never had that term before, but I, I, we should patent that. We should do a segment on that. On panic training. I'm doing a draft league. Actually, I'm, I entered this morning into the Timaru Triathlon, which is a draft legal race. And I think I have the fastest time now. Yeah, not anymore. It's, it's draft legal sprint oh. distance. So the, the records have been expunged. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and it's probably going to be a really small, relatively small field. And by small, I'm thinking, you know, there might be 50 odd in it. Yep. And so the swim's going to be critical because you could quite easily buy, be by yourself. And I don't really want to be far by you myself. Swimming? 750 meters. So when you do panic train, oh no, we'll talk about that when we get to the swim set. Yeah, we yeah, will. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, questions and answers at the end. John, we, now here's a question I have for you. This weekend we had the Mount Multisports Festival, which was formerly the Port of Tauranga Half Ironman. Is it terrible to change your name? Well, they still call it the Tauranga Half. Um, Do they? Is it what? Yeah, it's still called the Tauranga Half, but that's within the 
multi-sport festival and it used to be called the Port of Tauranga Half because the Port of Tauranga used to sponsor it. Oh, so I think, okay. But that's just what we grew up sort of knowing it as the Port of Tauranga so Half. The, so, so, okay, because, yeah, if you look at the website, it's all this mountain festival kind of stuff and you don't really... You kind of the recognition of a, on a, of a historic race gets a little bit lost. It does because there's so many events, and that's I think it's a really good point. You know, events when I think say Challenge Wanaka and, and other half Ironman events, they could really pad out, and I think there's a real danger in doing that because you gotta you want to keep your pinnacle event as a pinnacle event. Yep. And I do agree that this sort of gets a little bit lost. In but here when now, you call it a multi sports festival. There's a half marathon, there's a 5K. Yeah, and I get it. That's how you make money. Like, mm. totally get why they do it. And you can call that the event weekend, mm. but your, your home seller mm. is the, the, the towering half. That's to your elite athletes, though, but if, yeah. Yeah, I totally Well, to the media market, at least. Yeah. Because to- no one was no, on the news. It made the news. Did yeah, make the okay, news. Okay, so the US, it made the news, but didn't make the news about the people in the 5K. No, yeah, it wasn't about the five, you know, nothing against people doing the 5K, but it's, it's the festival is not the, the selling point to the media, at least. Mm. And we are the media, John. So let's go through some of the history. Uh, so it started in 1990, and actually, now we've just been talking about those changes. Uh, changes happened in t- 2015. Cool thing about this race is, A, it's one of the longest standing triathons in New Zealand. I think the Timaru, Timaru race I'm doing next weekend, is the second longest. Uh, don't know what the longest standing race is then. If, I, I would have thought Tauranga would be right up there. Timaru's second. Anyway. What's the longest? That's what I'm just saying. It might be the Lake Canary Triathlon, which I've never done. Where's that? I should go and do. Obviously, uh, Lake Canary. West Coast. That? Oh, really? Yeah. Why do you th- what makes you think it's the longest? I just have a funny feeling it is. But it's, it's a kayak kind of race. So. What about like an Ironman New Zealand? I know it moved. Mm, maybe that is. Maybe Ironman New Zealand Because it was about 83, longest. was it? Yeah. Maybe that is. Yeah, it probably is. Anyway, it started in 1990. Cool thing about this race is it's run by a charitable trust. Um, Joe, I see Joe Lawn's on the board of that. Uh, it's all the profits go back into the local community, which is cool. Um, we've got some real legends win this race over the years. Um, the late Tony O'Hagan uh, set a course records a couple of times there. Scott Balance, former winner of Ironman New Zealand. He won it twice, has, didn't he? Uh, Scott Balance probably won it several times. Don't you Ironman New Zealand, I mean? Uh, Karen won it three times, didn't she? Yeah, Karen won it several times. Not sure if Scott won it again. He was certainly there or thereabouts often. And Scott was the one who was pretty elite athlete, and then Scott was it injured or sick or something? Uh, I think he's pretty sure Scott had a heart condition. Yeah, um, but I saw him out biking the other day, so he's still amongst it. Walter Thorburn's been in there. Nathan Richmond, Olympian. Um, Braden Curry set the course record in 2017. And on the female side, um, we've had Karen Williams was uh, set the record in 1990. Uh, Sue Clark, who was a fantastic swimmer, she's broke the record a couple of times, as did Jenny Rose in 1996. She was a former long course world triathlon champion and very good on the ITU circuit as well. And Sam Warriner, who now coaches in New Zealand, raced, uh, pretty sure Sam went to the Olympics. Almost positive she did. Uh, she set a course record there in 2009. But those records this year got absolutely obliterated, especially on the female side of things. So uh, really good racing, very strong field. I know it's very just new, just Kiwis racing, but you've got you know five, uh, five or six very, very strong athletes. And in fact, all the men, bar one, uh, in the elite race all went under four hours, which is uh, pretty decent. But Kyle Smith... Absolutely smashed the pants off it. Did you read his race report? Yes, I did. It on was his Facebook It was page. absolute genius. He I will talk to him about that. Yeah, because he wrote a race report, and it's literally the like, nice thing is it's very short, so it's probably a, a five minute read. But it, he does comparisons to pop icons. A bit poetic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a really good race report. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. 
yeah, so he killed it. And this, the, one of the problems we've got is when we, if we were just to look at this result and not know anything about the race, you'd think, oh, he just faded, faded on the run yeah. and, and, and Braden Curry nearly caught him. So the end result was um, Kyle Smith swam 22-12. He biked 158-26. Uh, and then he ra- ran a 117-21 for a 3.39-43. Um, but what I'll say about that is, as you're going to hear later on, he had a three-minute lead with 5K to go, and it came down to 10 seconds uh, to go, 10, 10 seconds at the finish line. And the wheels fell off, really, didn't they, for him? Like, and Braden, Braden ran like a 13 so. Which is good. Which is good. But Jack Moody... Jack Moody. So Braden Curry finished second, 10 seconds behind, and then another, only another 30 seconds behind, Jack Moody ran a 1.10.53. Jesus. Outstanding. Mike Phillips was in fourth place. Um, you know, a pretty average race for him, I'd say. He only ran a 1.17. Uh, and then Cameron Brown, uh, he was really pleased with his race. He finished in fifth place, 3.45, only, you know, only six minutes off the pace of Kyle Smith. So I think uh, that bodes really, really well for Cameron Brown for Ironman New Zealand. So look out. He could be... Okay, um, make your pick on Cameron and Ironman New Zealand. I want a placing pick. Uh, so you've got to assume that Braden Curry's going to be racing, Mike Phillips is going to be racing... Um, Terenzo, yeah, probably because he raced in that half Ironman before Christmas. So you're gonna—that's your, your big one, two, three, four, big four. So it's just deciding which which order they're going to be, and there won't be any foreigners, I would doubt, coming over. And I don't think there's any other contenders. So I'm going to put Cameron Brown in. Is he going to get podium? second place? Oh, John Newsom back yeah. in, back in the 50-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, Braden Curry's always in good shape. Mike Phillips, he's got maybe got a bit of time to, to whip things up, but I think he had a relatively quiet winter. Um, and you never know with Terenzo, he's a bit up and down. Well, he's bloody quality athlete. I'm not <laughs> discounting at all, but again, I don't really know what he's been up to. So I'm saying Cameron Brown's going to get second, and uh, we'll see how. And then take your pick out of the other three. So the female race, Teresa Adam, strong win, you know, like sub four hours. Sub four hours, but check out this bike split. So she swam 24-12, um, had a 15-second lead over Hannah Wells. It was always going to be just between those two. She rode a 2.02.52. Put that into perspective. Cameron Brown ran a 2.02. Rode a 2.02. Yeah. And Mike Phillips, Jack Moody, Braden Curry ran 2.01. So she was only a minute 50 behind Jeez. them. Unbelievable. Over 90k. Now, I'm not... I didn't see any single part of the race whatsoever. What I will say, it's a flat course, and I don't know if the females started at the same time as the men or not, but whatever, that's just uh, amazeball uh, run, uh, bike split, and then backed it up with the fastest run split of the day of a 127.38, absolutely obliterating the record um, by, I think, 13 minutes or something. Jeepers, Christ. So if I go back. Now, obviously, it was a good day because I think the male's record was broken by six minutes as well. So there was definitely a fast day at the office, but 13 minutes. Yeah, so, um, and I'm pretty sure it's right because Sam Warren's record was four hours 10.47 in 2009. It's a very long standing record. So that does make it 13 minutes. The previous record was 3.45 by Braden Curry, which means that uh, the record got broken by, by, five. by five or six. So fast day, but. 13 minutes over a quality opposition that bike time is sensational so good for these pros taking home four thousand dollars new zealand um first two for second one for third then dropping off from there so uh, females race hannah wells was second rebecca clark came in third mm. so so good good to have some racing bloody good, good racing really top quality racing yeah really good stuff okay so that was pretty much it for the races but the other piece of news we have is uh you've got an admirer who's copying you john i have i've told her to stay away bevan yeah, but yeah when you when you've got a class like newsome around 
Lucy Charles has been following me for God knows how long on social media, yeah. and I am the social media expert. Yeah. Kylie Cox pointed out the other day the good old uh, the chicken. Hot um, <laughs> chicken. <laughs> she pointed out um, to the chicken. When the we hot chicken to the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, we had that, those episodes over Christmas. And it was some replay of okay. God knows how many years ago. Apparently, I said I'd never be on Instagram. <laughs> oh, how things change. But given that I'm just the social media um, uh, you know, influencer these days, Bevan, oh, um, Lucy you. Charles, I'm sure she must follow me. She is now on a cube bike. And there's been a lot of news. Because there's so little news, this has been splashed absolutely everywhere. And it is good marketing by Cube because she... Got to be one of the most marketable well, she triathletes. She specialise, which is a, you know interesting call. Mm. You know because yeah. that's a big bike firm. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, um, but when you think, when I think, I was trying. Uh, yesterday I was thinking, who would be the most marketable female triathletes at the moment? And you'd say Daniela Reef is definitely number one. Yeah, head and shoulders number one. I reckon Rennie's still got because historically. Yeah, I, I, I would agree, but I'd definitely put Lucy Charles probably in a tie for second with uh, Flora Duffy in terms of yep. how much influence they, they, they have out there. Um, that's just from a Kiwi perspective. If you're a Brit or a Yak American, then it's slightly different in, in your home markets, but from an international viewer, she gets a, a lot of coverage. And look, let's be honest, good-looking girl. She's going to get a lot of media coverage. She's always at the front of the race as well. She's a beast. So she's going to get a huge amount of media yeah. time. So if you're a bike sponsor, you know, she's going to be getting, in Kona, bloody hell, I mean, if she's not leading off the bike, she's going to be first or second, but she's going to be dominating the coverage for at least the first three to four hours. She's even copied the bike you've got. The road bike, yeah. yeah. The TT bike, she's got the newer version, um, but the road bike, she's got the, the same version. Do I have to say, I know nothing about bikes nowadays, but they do do cool design. Yeah, the cube. That, that one good. you bring around here is such a nice bike. Mm. It's a really cool bike. So check out where you go. Go enjoy on if you want to get a cube bike. Go yeah, go <laughs> check out Lucy Charles. And she actually, I, I had some YouTube clips playing in the background. And when she 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 went over to Germany and did the full, you know, photo shoot and all that. And she's sort of explaining, um, you know, the different types of bikes she's going to be on and what makes them slightly different from others. So good good to have her part of the team. Yeah, part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> I wonder why she gets paid in comparison to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, you, uh, do you know what I'd love to know? Because I was listening to the cricket. I love cricket. I'm really into cricket at this moment in my life. And um, they were talking about bet sponsorship in cricket. Mm -hmm. And so for those who don't know much about cricket, um, kind of um, kind of British kind of sport, really. Yeah. You know, people know what cricket is. but It's uh, the, 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 the Commonwealth version of baseball. Basically. But, but even better. And... Uh, <laughs> And at the moment, New Zealand are the number one team in test in the world. Mm -hmm. And we, we, traditionally, New Zealand, how would you describe New Zealand cricket, John? Traditionally. Uh, punches above its weight. Yeah, we, yeah we'd, have, we'd have moments punching above our weight, and then moments where we were pretty horrible. No rock stars, just you know, a bunch of average guys. And in the history of New Zealand's cricket, you've probably had three players, four players, who are kind of internationally recognised as pretty legendary players. Well, at the moment, we are just unbelievable. It's unbelievable how well we're doing, considering how small the sport is in our country. And we've got one of the top three players in the world, a guy called Kane Chain Williamson. He's mm -hmm. just... You, you, it's like, whole. Oh, if you want someone to bet for your life, who would you choose? Mm. And he'd be your man. Yep. And, um, but they're talking about bet sponsorship, and they're saying he probably gets about 300k a year. All right. They reckon Coley, who's... So it's Kane Williamson, Steve Smith, and Virat Coley, the three best players in the world. Now, Coley's Indian, and that's where all the money is in sport. They reckon millions. his bet sponsorship's about 10 million a year. 
Yeah, yeah, I would so, definitely believe it'd be that. Fascinating to see, like someone like Lucy, how much she would actually make, yeah. just from like a bike sponsorship. Would it be six figures? I think it would be. Mm. You know, like we remember we spoke to remember we one year in Kona we kind of behind the scenes asked pros what they were making when they were mm. in their peak, and I remember there was one pro who was an elite cyclist mm. in his day, and he was making about four hundred k a year, mm. and I think that was from sponsorship mainly. So for like a Lucy Charles, you'd think it'd be at least six figures, wouldn't you? Well, no, I don't think it'd be more. Just, uh, it'd be in that ballpark, and, and a complete guess. We might be completely wrong, um, but that's just ballpark. Okay, this week's discussion, guys. This week we we're asking you, what would be your dream year as an athlete in twenty twenty one? And we've got the winning uh, answer here already, Patrick Walkington. I've just seen this being coached by Mr. John Newsom. <laughs> oh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. Uh, Mark Funky Brooks has got Ironman Frankfurt, have no punctures, and have been able to put my huge heroic base to work. Qualify for Kona, Virgin London Marathon, set world record whilst dressed in a costume. Um, punches and races, just a nightmare. I, I never really had one. Uh, and I'm going to say the same thing, I've never had Such a puncture in a race. Yeah. <laughs> But especially, if, a, especially if you're like trying to qualify for Kona, or, you know, like any any race would be a pain in the bum. But mm. when you're trying to get a result, that would mm. suck. Grant Boyd, uh, honestly, Grant Boyd did a massive training day the other day when I was up in Nelson. Rode 200 k's in the heat uh, in a really hilly course after swimming from doing a 2k swim race. Honestly, just want Ironman New Zealand to go ahead as planned. Same for all other events. We are lucky so far. Long may it last. Um, one thing, Ironman New Zealand this year, they've changed the run course for our international listeners. Why? Not that you're going to get a ch- chance to see it. Uh, they're doing four laps of 10 k's. And th- their rationale, which is... Fairly commonplace overseas, you know. Frankfurt does Skip that. Pretty busy. Um, although I think that's their rationale is um, partly the, the, the field's going to be a lot smaller. Um, so oh, okay. I think they're trying to go. Let's rationalise our number of aid stations. So less aid stations, okay. less cost. Yep. Um, and then more atmosphere. Th- and and then later on, when there's less people on the course, then you'll have a few more people rather than being out there by yourself. So I think there's a couple of reasons. I'd, I'd much prefer to have the longer one myself. Because it was three, wasn't it? Oh, it changed from two to three, and now yeah, it's four. Okay. Um, good old Toby Schneel's got anything and everything with uh, within the boundaries of Queensland, Ironman Cairns, Sunny Coast, uh, and dozens of events, all distances in the far north. We're very lucky in that regard. Uh, Jeff the Explosion Curry, best nickname of all time. Yeah. Uh, for Ironman Cork, to <laughs> go, for Ironman Cork, which is an island, to go ahead this year and not be biblically bad conditions like last year. Last year they had uh, swim got cancelled, I'm pretty sure, and it just looked horrendous on the bike and the run. That was the one where Alistair Brownlee uh, won it. Well, it wasn't actually last year. Now now we've got to go. Yeah. It was 2019. 19, yeah. Uh, Kira, Kira Houston is a uh, person of my heart because they've got here. To recover to full fitness so I can return to training and racing again. It's kind of like our own right now. Arnold Sulikoff, uh, having a full in Wanaka. That's not happening. Can't see it happening anytime soon given the changes they made this year as well. Uh, being the oldest sub nine in Roth. Be, I wonder, I wonder have, have we had any... Okay, let's see how old, old he is. Well, I think I think he'll be if he's not he'll Here be approaching the 50 to 50, 54 age group um, if he's not there already. Uh, and I wonder how many sub... Nines we've had as fifty-year-olds. I guarantee there's been a few. He was born in 1969, so he's and he's January 30th, so he's coming up to his happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's, yeah, it's coming up. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so 69, so he became out 52. Mm, so he is already already 50. Um, so there we go. And is that pretty impressive? Yeah, sub nine at 50. 
Ooh, yeah. that's pretty quick. Uh, you have to keep talking because I went ahead and looked at his profile. Okay, uh, I'll do one more. And we'll go, Joe Coombe, to race without hamstring issues I've dealt with for the last three years. Okay, I'll actually do one more because I'm back on the page now. And I'm going to say... Um, 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 Alan oh. Bryson to race again. <laughs> For old Alan, he's moved. He sort of stayed in New Zealand. Alan, he moved from New Zealand back to Scotland and uh, during COVID, and hasn't been fun times over there in terms of. Uh, any, I know Alan. Yeah, you know Alan. Yeah, lovely guy. Training and racing and stuff. Yeah. When did he go back? Why did he go back? Just to get back to life? And yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a pom. How long has he been here for? I'm going to say, I'm going to take a guess, Alan. I've probably got this wrong. About 10 years or oh, so. Oh, mate, delayed. It's delayed yeah. six months. <laughs> you can't get back in there either, could he? Even if he wanted to come back, or was a residents come back? Don't Surely know. be resident. So in the fit, here, I thought I'd just have a quick look. In the 50-year age group in Roth in 2019, uh, first place was 907.25. Which is It was smoking. a slightly slower year um, that year because I bloody was I, did I do it that year? Let's look at the previous year as well, because I am intrigued to see if we get, I'm sure in Florida we must have some as well, but if I look the year before, 2018, gender men, age group 50, come on boys, let's see if we've got any sub nines, otherwise I'll have to go there when I'm 50 and see if I can do it. No, mm. 9.22. Do you reckon you'd be able to pull off a sub nine at 50? How old are you now, 44? No, if I'm in the 45 to 49 age group. 45? Well, this because your, your age is taken from 31st of December, oh. so I'll t- turn 45 this year. Um, Do you reckon you could hold on? Probably not, because I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not winning my age group in Roth at the moment. And, uh, no, but it's just sub-9 at 50. It'd be a pretty big ask. Well, no, because your kids have probably gone by then. Mm. Hopefully. <laughs> but I think <laughs> your, your running starts to deteriorate a bit. Did you uh, watch the news last night? I did. Now, on the news last night in New Zealand, sport, they had this, this, this little kind of Ooh. piece about... 2016, Jan Brockland, he went 9.02, went pretty close. At 50. Yeah. That's pretty quick. You'd be gutted, wouldn't you? Mm. I was gutted at 9.05 when I was like 20, 29. Yeah. Um, on, the, on the news last night in New Zealand, great piece. They had this piece about touch rugby. Did you see it, John? I did. And they had this old bugger, 74. Yeah. Did you see this guy? He was pretty swift. It was unbelievable because, you know, like an Ironman, you see the 74-year-olds. Yeah. But endurance sport, they're plotters. Yeah. You know, this guy's playing touch rugby. And he was, and he was only in the over 50s age group. Yeah. And he could, like he had some toe, he was doing steps and, yeah. you know, he didn't have a full stride out, but I couldn't get over it. It was well impressive. Yeah. All right. I've got myself a goal now. I've got to be a sub, 50, sub nine hour age 50, Bevan. They're not doing it in Challenge Roth. Got to go there and do it. You go. Well, Arnold's going to beat you. Well, he'll be out of that age group by that stage. No, but I mean, this year, if he beat you. Oh, yeah. No, he won't get, the race won't be on this year. He is a bit of a weapon. He is a weapon. Oh, the race will probably be on this year. I think we're going to see most racing on this year um, from sort of July onwards. It won't, won't, won't be necessarily international racing, but, um, geez, they're getting slower as we go as I go further back. Righty-ho, got myself a target. <laughs> here we go. It's just, I just saw a spark in the eyes, team. Let's, let's have a look at uh, Ironman Florida, shall we? Okay, here we go. He's Ironman picking, Florida. He's, what, he's cherry picking the race? Yeah, results. Okay, okay here we go. In Florida... 50 plus What the hell like, Bloody What's his name um, Joe Skipper went Like flipping something yeah, well, Joe Skipper's a little bit Better than you Last year Just, <laughs> just, just <laughs> Yeah Right it's loading Come If, on, if I was man. a betting man I'd put my money on Skipper Yeah And a Chris Leaferman Last year He actually won it last year In 2020 Went 752 No no we're looking At the 50 year olds Yep okay Alrighty go Category 
Joe Skipper won it the year before. Yep, Joe Skipper the year before went 7.46. Jeepers, creepers. Male, 50, 9.02.40, Christoph Basti. Oh, so. He was an ex-pro. <laughs> 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 he went 9.02.40. Let's have a look at 2018. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. John's just trying to get inspired. Only ho, 20, only ho. 2016. What the hell happened in 20, 2018? What happened? 10.05. No, no one, that can't no be one right. turned up. Oh, maybe there's, maybe there's one year where there was torrential stuff? Oh, was that Florida? Can't be right. Uh, okay, let's right, we're going to do one more. 2017. Here we go. He's desperate. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dream is getting squashed every time. No, because you can be these. the first. Okay. Here we go. This is great podcasting. People are loving it. They're out there riding their bike. Take a look to the left. Oh, 937. Righty ho. Lock it in. Yep. Okay. John Newsom, sub 50 at 50. Sub, sub 9 hour 50. at 50. Here we go. Okay. This week's discussion what technology or products are not on the market that you would love to see? Because John and I are going to create them. So that's the question for this week. John, I, let's I think go. I looked at the females before. That's why I was so slow. I'm still I'm obsessed with this now. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's your homework. <laughs> hey, hey of the week. week. Tell me about it. We, uh, you we picked had, out a random one. Well, oh no, we're, we're going to pl- pluck random ones out right now because we had uh, we had the Tauranga Half Ironman at the weekend where we had those outstanding performances. And so we're going to just pluck out a couple of random age groupers. They had 527 in the Half Ironman. I think I saw that they were sold out across all events, which is good on them. So five, uh, five or 600 must be their limit. The first age grouper did get taken down by um, the first two elite females. So Scott Harpham was in the 25 to 29 age group with first place in 405.07. And if we look at the first place in the females, where's the filter? I'm going to say, oh, I've just gone by age group, John. I haven't done the filter by. So I can tell you the first young person, yeah. good old Mia Thomas, from North Harbour Triathlon Club, she took yeah. out the 18 to 19 category. That's okay. the young kids. And then in Yasmin Kessner, in the 20 to 24 from the North Harbour Triathlon Club. They're dominating the dojo in the females racing. But then Triathlon Hawks Bay takes out the, the 25 to 29 with Heather Neal. Then we go down to the 30. Oh, it's a bit bigger here. 30. That's the Timaru Triathlon Club. Nice. Martina, I'm going to say Weirford. Uh, then the 35 to 40. That's, she's not even in a club. I'm going to say Merville uh, Talavisi. Then we go to the 40 to 49, that's Sarah Morrison. I think she, right, we'll stop there because I think Sarah Morrison, I think, was the first female age grouper overall. She went 428.05. That's pretty solid performance. Put that in perspective, 428 compared to the winner, which was Theresa Adam, 357. So about half an hour behind. Okay, well, Kirsty Pindler. Pindur from Auckland Triathlon Club took out the 40 to 45, 44. Natasha Barclay from the Auckland Triathlon Club took out the 45 category. She used to be Natasha Hilgeholt. She used to be in the New Zealand elite team, also in the New Zealand junior team. Triathlon Club Canterbury. Yeah. Julia Spark. Oh, Julia Spark, nice work. She took out the 50, 54. Then we go down to 55. It's quite a few 54s. Not many 55ers, but 55. Good old Auckland Triathlon Club, Jane Baldwin. Then we go to 60 in Auckland Triathlon Club. Good old Cheryl Des Jardins. And then we have uh, Michelle Allison from Triathlon Wellington Club. I'm just naming the clubs because it's good. Do you want me to do the boys as well? No, nah, but I will, <laughs> I will say Matt Brick was there and... <laughs> 
Matt Brick, <laughs> former World Duathlon champion. I just saw his name. He took out, uh, no, he didn't take out. He got third in the 55 to 59 age group. But then one of the, our, our listeners get winners category. Um, who was that? Ian, Ian Wood yeah. was, I uh, know he did, just did the run. That's where it's confusing. Because uh, Belinda saw that. Bloody Triathlon Festival. <laughs> yeah, Ian Wood uh, finished, he won his age group in the half marathon, uh. I think. And his lovely wife posted a picture yeah, on, on Facebook. And Belinda said, oh, Ian won his age group. And I said, just read that a little bit clearer because he went on the half marathon. But good on you, Ian. Good on Scott Fletcher from Canterbury Triathlon Club. Where do you reckon mm-hmm. he got in his age group? Seventh. Mm. Anyway, Matt Brick, uh, he's on our Legends of Triathlon podcast, uh, the great podcast that it is. What we about have, Peter? Hold on, let me carry on with <laughs> okay, Matt Brick. Okay, sorry. Third place in the 55 to 59, surgeon, legendary athlete, and an amazing story in terms of, uh, listen to the podcast, because he had all sorts of things going on in terms of uh, top one of the top surgeons in New Zealand, um, had drug addiction issues as well before he was an athlete, and then was a multiple world uh Duathlon champion. It was a great interview, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, he, he was a real high level person, eh? Oh, pretty intense. Yeah, just you know how you get people who just like whatever they do, they had to kind of nail. He's mm-hmm. that guy. Okay, Peter, I'm gonna say Fitz Virgin mm-hmm. from Trey Canby Triathlon Club. Yep. What do you reckon uh-huh. he got in his age group? Um, 40, well, based on the Oxman, he said to me, I've really got to do some training when I do these long races. Um, it, 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 just, it just hurts a lot when I do them. And so I reckon he probably got um, 15th. No, he exceeded your expectations. Mm-hmm. He got 12th. What about Andrew Lawrenson? Canterbury Triathlon Club. He finished in third. No, fourth. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyone else from Canterbury Triathlon Club from the no. no. Do you know everyone who raced? Yep. Well, it's not true. What about Mark Deneen? Yep, uh, Mark Deneen. He's a lawyer. What do you reckon he got in his age group? From Tav- Tavendale Partners. Um, Mark, he's got a pretty big age group. He's probably, what, 50 to 54, is he? Yeah, I think so, yep. It'd be something like that. Uh, I would say 23rd. Exceeded your expectations again. <laughs> right. <laughs> 19th. Very pretty, pretty close. Join the tri- Canterbury Triathlon Club team. It's worth doing. Okay, that's, uh, that's uh, the age groupers of the week from the race. Let's talk about Pro, pro of the week. week. Okay, Jombo, who are we talking about? Did what I did last week. I went to the results from the Daytona, Challenge Daytona. Started going down the list until I found somebody I did not recognise On the, and this week did the female side. Uh, it was 11th place, Elisa Dola. I think that's how you say it. D-O-E-H-L-A. She's from America. She finished 11th place, one place behind uh, Nicholas Spirig, and only six seconds behind her. It's bloody close racing. So Nicholas Spirig went 335.11. Elisa went 335.17, and she was only 30 seconds in front of Emma Pallant, um, whom she passed on the run leg. Good on her. So she swam 26.10. She's an ex-runner, and that's one of the slowest swims out of the the, the females. Um, The top females were doing sort of 24 to 25, so it's not abysmal. Um, pretty solid ride, 158, which is comparable with most of the pros, barring sort of Paula Finlay, who went 151, and then a very respectable 107.33 that was quicker than expected for 335.17. She was 9 minutes 15 behind the winner that was Paula Finlay, and uh, took home $15,000 US for her efforts. Jeez, good, isn't Never it? heard of her before, so I thought I'd better just check her out. Um, Cool thing with the, the PTO page now, they've got some information on there as well as Alyssa does have a nice website, which is great. Tell you what, uh, the photo on her front page is a really great athlete's photo. Mm. So it's AlyssaDola.com. Uh, and her most embarrassing moment was in the Boston Marathon, coincidentally still her favourite event, describing the situation as an unfortunate bathroom experience. 
You just picture that and you go, that's, yeah, yeah I don't, I've never had that and I really, really never, never want to have that either. Uh, she turned pro in 2017 um, where she achieved four consecutive top three finishes on the 70.3 circuit in the States. Um, but then, unfortunately, bloody got another one of these um, pro athletes was a victim of a hit and run cycling accident in early 2018, which curtailed her season. Um, God, it's a few hit and runs in America. Uh well, around the world as well, but mm. they seem to be more often than not in America. Three more podiums followed in 2019 as she made a successful comeback after that horrific accident. And then I would say that 11th place is probably going to rank right up there with uh, some of her best performances. So name to look out for, very strong runner. Uh, she raced for America at the World Cross Country Champs, uh, meddling when she was doing that. And to, to run in a cross country team, You've got to be a pretty shit-hot runner. Yeah. Um, and what they usually do at the World Champs is they'll combine the top however many from each country and there's a team award as well oh, as do they? Uh, individuals. So, you know, so, you, so then you're really motivated. to. If you're having a bad day, you've still got to try to get the, you know, the highest possible position you can um, for your so team, team so, result. Oh, okay, sorry. So say you finished, if, yep, I don't know how yeah, many people I, I, is, I, I, but yeah, you know, yeah. say you finished second, 10th, 20th, 30th, whatever. I'm sure the Kenyans and the Africans dominate, but she's uh, clearly done pretty well. So a name to look out for, especially um, when it comes to the run leg. Who's, who's the best ever female runner in a sport? Marinda? Um, well, you'd well, say yeah. Annie, Annie Haug at the moment. Um, Marinda Carfrey's right up there, as is Erin Baker, as is Gwen Jorgensen from the short course side of things. So you could reel off, um, reel off quite a few. And do most of them all come from running backgrounds? No, not necessarily. No, no. And then you certainly have some examples of extremely good runners making the switch across. You know, Commonwealth Games levels, and they they still they still have really fast run splits, yeah. but not necessarily. You're thinking they're going to dominate the dojo, uh, and they just can't quite make that transition, both on the males and the females side. Well, that's an interesting question. Percentage of athletes who come from another sport that are which have the best crossover. So, like, if you go cyclists, pro cyclists who came to triathlon or oh. Ironman. Or runners who came to Ironman, or swimmers who came to Ironman, which would have the highest chance of having the better results? If it's Ironman, you think cycling. If it's Ironman cycling, if it's short course, then it's um, more likely going to be swimming. Oh, really? Know? Well, yeah. What about running? Like Alex Yee? Yeah, but he's he's one example, but you're going to have more examples of kids that were top swimmers, I think, than really? necessarily top runners, because running to a degree you can learn swimming. If you miss the boat on that. You're struggling. Alex Yee is a good example. Is he's a good swimmer, but he's in that danger zone of missing the packs, which can you know you can have the best run in the world, and yes, he might run himself up the top five, but not necessarily winning races. Here's another interesting question. In comparison, now this is a very worldwide question, but in a comparison to running and swimming at a competitive level, how many kids do eat sports? Because you know, I know, like, you go to Christchurch cross country, there's kids, mm. you know, a thousand kids do the run. Mm. But realistically, there's probably only 10 kids who actually are in a club, a running club, or something like that. And yeah. you know, when you think of swim squads, it'd be really interesting to see what sport actually gets more kids who are trying to be ambitious with the sport. I think it would vary a lot from country to country and it would vary a lot from region mm. to region. What do you I, would say, I would say swimming would be probably the highest, yeah. but then that would drop off a cliff very quickly. About 14, eh? At about 14. Yeah. And then cycling. As Christchurch's example, cycling's really popular at secondary school. So then you, oh, get, but then you get a boom in cycling, and running is probably the least popular out of the three. Yeah, because I don't, uh, I don't know any kids other than like tr- athletics. 
mm. you know, who like the sprinters and stuff like that. I don't know any kids who do any like cross country stuff, stuff like that. You, you know? hang around with the wrong kids. Yeah, obviously. Well, I don't really <laughs> hang around with kids, John. So, <laughs> so, so this week's uh, Pro of the Week, Elisa Dola, if I've pronounced that wrong, apologies, but a name I've never heard of before, and she's done well, and look out for her coming up. Okay, we've got an interview with the winner of the Port. What is it called now? It's called the, the uh, Mount Festival, Multi Sport Fest, Mount Multi Sport Festival. I think. Here we go. Here he is, Kyle Smith, right now. Kylie, you've put Kylie Smith. Ah, I did too, <laughs> Kyle. Kyle Smith. It's a funny thing there. Okay, let's go <laughs> on uh, the last Epic Camp uh, instead of having Kylie Cox on. Uh, the you had chicken. I put Kyle. <laughs> oh, did you? There you go. <laughs> you get confused easily. Here he is. Okay, team, um, I had an email a few weeks ago from good old Torsten at tryrating.com and he was saying to me, um, this guy Kyle Smith's showing up on my ratings and he's, he's ranking really high. And I said, well, that's because he hasn't lost at a half Ironman yet. He's done, I think, three and he hasn't been beaten and he's been up against some pretty good competition. And then last weekend, as you heard earlier in the show, he took out another one, again, beating some quality Kiwi opposition. So... I'm a Kiwi, and I don't know too much about Kyle, so we're going to find out a lot more about him today. So welcome along to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be on the show. Hey, so tell us a bit um, about yourself. You know, where, where you're from. Um, we know you're from New Zealand, and we've got a, a New Zealand bias on the, the show, despite it being international. But tell us sort of where you're from and pre-triathlon days. Yep, so um, I'm, actually, I'm actually an import. So I was actually uh, born, in, born in England, um, and then my family decided that they wanted a lifestyle shift. So when I was quite young, um, I moved to New Zealand, I moved to Taupo, and um, kind of right away that uh, was taken in with open arms into, into the Taupo community, and, and especially Tri-Sport Taupo, which is a triathlon club there, and which has held um, you know, great athletes in the past, such as Bevan Doherty and, and, and those guys. So... Um, yeah, kind of went in and uh, as a 12-year-old and kind of took to it like a fish into water and uh, uh, did my first ever multi-sport event there with Tri-Sport Taupo and I managed to kind of win out of kind of all the adults and stuff, so that felt pretty cool and um, yeah, that was, uh, got hooked ever since and caught the bug, I guess you could say. So were your parents triathletes? No, not at all. Um, they've always been sporty. Um, so my oldest brother does uh, or did motocross and... Yep. Uh, my second brother Ryan did horse riding and I was the third child and I was kind of juggled between the two doing uh, motocross and horse riding and and we do sort of uh, running and swimming in the winter to keep fit so that was kind of how I was kind of introduced to that and then yeah when we moved to Taupo uh, there was no, no we didn't have any horses or motorbikes or anything we kind of started from scratch and um, yeah so my parents were kind of fortunate enough to buy me a, a little alloy road bike there and um, kind of yeah just got got into it. Wow. And so do you have much, uh, you know, I've, I've noticed in your results, you know, pretty decent swim leagues typically. Did you, did you swim as a kid or was it just, you know, pretty much straight into try? Yeah, I did swim as a kid, like very, like once a week, you know, swimming lessons, kind of those things, but not competitive. Actually, my swim was really pretty poor in my early days of kind of triathlon. Um, you know, going from swimming, uh, you know, like a minute down plus in a 750 meter sprint race uh, and like a, you know, a junior ITU race. And I just kept plugging away and um, yeah, really kind of worked hard and um, just kind of progressed my swim over the years. And I know it wouldn't be like an overnight thing and just kind of my nature of my mind and the way I operate, um, I'm always searching for perfection. And so every time that I'm swimming, I'm always thinking about how can this be better? How can this be faster? And that's just the way I'm kind of wired. And so I guess with that mindset and kind of having a big engine, it kind of 
came to and I managed to yeah kind of improve my swimming to where it where it's at now um yeah pretty good level well, which is which is pretty amazing, really, because you know you're 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 up there with this woman now. So, it's, and you really just think it's just a, just always have that focused attitude. Well, I mean, obviously, swimming is such a technical sport, and yeah. to go faster, it's not necessarily going harder. And yeah, the way I kind of operate everything that I do, running, biking, and swimming, it's always how can this be better? How can this be better? Like, surely this isn't the best way that I can be doing this. How can it be better? And figuring that out in my mind and I guess that's why I like triathlon so much because it is such a puzzle it's such a kind of jigsaw that you have to put together on swim bike and run and yeah I kind of um, it's just the way I'm wired and so yeah that's how I think I'm I think that's probably my attribute to why I'm able to swim well now so I mean we'll go through you know recent results shortly but you know where, where was um, life sort of tracking outside of triathlon of your you know through school and and, and what did you do after school yeah, so school I did quite well. I was first in class in um, a few of my subjects. Nice. Um, you're, you're too talented. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, some people argue that, eh? Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I really focused on school. My parents made sure that kind of school was a priority because obviously triathlon's not going to last forever and there needs to be kind of something upstairs so you can rely on. Um, yeah, so we kind of did school, did quite well. And then after school, I think I did my last school exam and basically moved up to Cambridge up to the high performance um, centre that week. Um, I was just really wanted to kind of kick it off and get the ball rolling and come into the environment. So I think, yeah, I was just turned 18 um, and kind of got dropped into the Olympic environment with the Olympic team and uh, in that year of Rio. And um yeah, it was quite a hard environment to go from kind of being a school kid training just before and after school kind of twice a day to then you're dropped into the Olympic environment. And I, me being me, I wanted to be the best straight away. And so I kind of just really overdid it. Um, got in the program, just try to flog myself every day, try to keep up with the, with the boys. And, um, you know, these guys were Olympians performing, you know, way better than I was. And I was trying to kind of beat them every day and just dug myself a whole battle with sickness and and just kind of always getting sick under eating and then uh would come back from being sick and flog myself into the ground again and you know that was kind of that repetitive uh for about kind of 12 months until uh, my coach who's my coach now Tim kind of stepped in and said he could kind of see what was going on and he kind of took me down and sort of said no there's no lack of motivation there um you know, I don't need to tell you to go out running or riding or swimming hard. I'm actually here to pull the reins back. So, um, yeah, Tim really took the time to figure me out. And um, we've been kind of, yeah, on this journey ever since sort of 2017. Was it, was it a hard thing to, to like, I'm sure you, intellectually you could understand it, but when you kind of get this esteem and reward from this kind of ability to push yourself hard, was it a hard thing to actually apply? It was probably one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with in triathlon because, you know, you you can be as smart as you want but when you're in this pursuit of excellence there's like a fog of kind of misconception and I guess you get a bit of um, myopia around I'm just going to flog myself into the ground and it almost seems like anything that strays from that path is the wrong thing to do Um, and so yeah Tim I just had to put all my faith in him and that was really tough like you know um, I, I'd go out running and I'd literally, um, I'd gone from chasing my brothers around. And so we'd go on, you know, uh, my training was kind of, I'd go for a 3K run and just start as fast as I could, run as fast as I could. And that was kind of my training 
as a kid and that was kind of how I was brought up. So, you know, if I had an hour run on my program, I was trying to run as fast as I could. And um, obviously, I think it doesn't take a genius to work out. That's not what you do. Um, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, Tim kind of came in and said, hey, look, you're doing this not great and this not great. And I was just kind of this uh, pretty stubborn teenager. But, yeah, I guess I kind of saw that what I was doing was wrong and it doesn't <laughs> take a genius to figure that out. Um, yeah, so I was always getting sick and injured and whatnot. So I guess there was something wrong. And so, yeah, we kind of figured that out to yeah, for that to work. In terms of your ITU stuff, you know, when I look at your, your profile on triathlon.org or ITU, you know, it looks like there was just a, a gentle progression sort of heading in the right direction from, you know, from 2014 to, to sort of 2019. And that sort of culminated in an 11th place at the, at the under 23 world champs, which is a bloody good result. First Kiwi, um, but 11th at under 23 levels is pretty decent. So that was obviously the, what was that, the end of, late 2019 yeah bloody hell years getting all mixed up now um so where where was things tracking at that stage because you know that's a good result were you yes. thinking right i'm sticking sticking on the ITU path or where where were you at at the end of um 2019 yep so we'll take that back to 2016 um i was yeah in the program uh missed out on junior worlds kind of in a pretty obviously just because of what i was doing training wise um kind of Went back to the drawing board, started 2017, had a pretty tough ITU, World Cup debut, had a terrible race, and I kind of needed something to pick me back up the ground, so to speak. So I raced um, Xterra New Zealand uh, in Rotorua, uh, just for a bit of fun, didn't really train into it, didn't really focus for it, and I ended up getting third, and um, yeah, there was uh, me, Sam Osborne, and Hayden Wild on the podium, and I was like, oh yeah, this is quite fun, actually. I really enjoyed that race. It was super hard, and I really enjoyed being in the in the trees and on the mountain bike tracks and, and that kind of stuff. So went down the exterior route, and then that qualified me for Maui. Um, and, yeah, I was stoked, and that kind of gave me some direction and purpose, which I need, and I kind of went all guns blazing for Maui. And before that was um, the ITU Cross Triathlon World Champs in Penticton. So, um, yeah, into that race, went over there, no expectations, and I ended up, yeah, winning the under-23 world title, and I got on the podium in the senior elite race as well. And I kind of thought, oh, this is me, this is it. Um, but I saw that there was a ceiling, um, and it kind mm. of felt like it was obviously in its own right, but, you know, you get um, Javier and um, Flora coming over, and it's kind of like a just, just something they do to finish up this season and you know that wasn't that that wasn't what I wanted to um wanted to do and so I went back to ITU 2018 and came back into the squad in Cambridge and we were all kind of really going good um had a few good world cup results in 2018 and um it was all going really well and then got selected for the world champs and again went back to kind of flogging myself um to get really fit for the world champs and picked up a, a stress fracture um and that kind of obviously coming back from that's pretty tough um and then yeah 2019 was a bit more of the same um went over to europe had a pretty bad season in europe 2019 um just you know what it's uh, like as a kind of a junior athlete with with kind of no support um you know you're kind of almost hitchhiking around europe to get to races and you're living off the shoestring budget that you're kind of restricted to and it was just quite tough um yeah and I had four weeks to get ready for, for Worlds and then now I'd flown to Canada and back and, and I got four weeks to get ready for under-23 Worlds and kind of just thought, all right, well, um, here I am now. Um, 
you know i'm i'm not kind of gonna be in the best shape that i can be but let's see how fit we can get and just kind of train really consistently really well and um yeah end up kind of 11th at worlds and i thought you know i stoked you know this is going really well we figured it out we can go back 2020 and race a good itu season but unfortunately i um got dropped from triathlon new zealand and so that kind of was a bit of a sting and then as that happened it was about five weeks before 70.3 taupo and i got off the phone call after i've been dropped and um called up my coach and i was like hey mate like i really need something here like um i really want to need something to be motivated for i'm pretty um you know pretty down in the dumps right now i really want to race 70.3 taupo uh debut in my hometown i just want to give it a go and see how it goes i don't you know i'm not focusing on the win i'm just gonna um, learn to see how it goes and obviously that was the 2020 world champs course as well so it'd be a good opportunity to see what's going on and it was another, let's see how fit we can get. I think I had four weeks to prepare for it. I'd just had a, a break. Um, I was pretty unfit. And we just thought, you know, let's not set a goal here. Let's just kind of see how fit we can get. And I trained really consistently and uh, and really well again and kind of rocked up at the race. No expectation, no pressure. I was just there to give it a go. And, yeah, managed to find myself at the, at the front of the race, uh, racing kind of quite comfortably on the bike and, feeling really good and kind of pinching myself that I was in that position and um yeah it was kind of unexpected and then I thought well I might as well try and bloody win the thing um got on the run and yeah just kind of never looked back really and it was a really tough run Max Newman in second was no more than 20 seconds behind me all day um and he was just kind of hunting me down and I would just feel the presence of him behind me and that was kind of keeping me going and the wheels kind of fell off at the end but yeah, I was in my hometown and my home crowd and they weren't going to let me get second. So um, they would just, I couldn't hear myself think for the, the noise of the crowd when Max was kind of getting down to kind of four seconds, really close up to the back <laughs> of me. And, uh, and I would just kind of put my head back and yeah, kind of went for it. And uh, thankfully I kind of came out on top that day. Um, and it was, yeah, I kind of pinched myself still. It was a bit of a fairy tale race and uh, a bit magical still really. And then, yeah, my coach kind of, I kind of went away and thought, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. And then my coach called me and he said, hey, Kyle, um, yeah, I think you could go quite good at this long course thing. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think? And I said, yeah, absolutely. But I still don't want to kind of give up that Olympic dream. Um, yeah. And so we obviously then we raced Taronga 70.3 last year. And and again, and I picked up a little niggle from racing Taupo in my debut. And I hadn't really been running all that much. So again, it was just like, oh, we'll see how we go. We'll see if it goes all right and end up swimming hard, riding hard and and then kind of, yeah, running all right to take the win there in the course record. And then my coach goes, you know, this is definitely what I think you're good at now. So, yeah, it's kind of been long course orientated since. Um, with kind what, would, of, what, would 20, what would 2020 have looked like if it had been uh, a normal year? Well, I raced... Uh, Xterra well, uh, Wellington to qualify for Maui again. I really wanted to go back there and, and do well there. Uh, unfortunately, I broke my wrist, and so I and then but I still entered Malulaba World Cup ITU uh, with a broken wrist, and so I raced there as well, and I actually crashed again. Um, <laughs> and so it was going to look like if everything went really well, it'd look like prioritizing seventy point three worlds in Taupo for sure. Um, yeah, that would have been super special to race in front of the home crowd at a world champs. Mm, yeah. um, and I think, yeah, I think it'll be long course orientated with a dabble of ITU under there. Um, yeah, kind of a couple, maybe a couple of world series races and 
and whatnot and kind of keeping my the hat in the ring for for ITU as well because uh, there's still some goals that I haven't achieved and and, and in the ITU and that's kind of what I want to go back and try and achieve. So 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 the Olympic dream is still a spark in your head? It is mainly because uh, it's the reason I'm pretty sure that most people get into the sport. Um, mm. You know, they see guys that have gone forth and, you know, I, for me, I saw Bevan Doherty and um, when I first moved to Tarpo 2010, Bevan Doherty was an Olympic medalist um, mm. at, at 2008. And so that was kind of why I was in the sport. It was almost like a pin up on, on my wall. You know, it was kind of what got me in there and it was what I really wanted to aspire to. Cause I think there's two pinnacles in triathlon and it's Kona and it's the Olympics. And, um, I think for me to be really, you know, look back on my career and, uh, and see I've been to an Olympics or, in, and I've been to Kona would be an amazing thing. So yeah, it's definitely a, but in the same kind of sentence, I won't, wouldn't be discontent with not going to an Olympics, you know, I'll, you know, it is what it is. And I'll, if I'm the best athlete that I can be, but I don't go, then that's just the way it is. It's kind of like your career's kind of an interesting juncture right now, isn't it? Because it's, you've opened this door to this possibility that maybe wasn't there before and proving to be very successful. So it allows you to kind of dip your feet in another kind of back in the water of ITU if you want to, but also kind of develop this other pathway, which can be a, a long, successful career. Yeah, um, that's what we're kind of juggling with at the moment. Obviously, there's mm. um, a lot of traction with Ironman and, and that's what kind of most people gravitate towards kind of watching and and viewing um yeah and and what's come with racing long course really well and it's obviously that's that's super appealing but i don't see why i can't do both um it's good stuff um obviously 70.3 world champ one daytona and also one of the best itu athletes out there and and i, I don't see why you know i can't be that the same um yeah yeah, so you've had, obviously a very good season in New Zealand so far, you know, a win in the PTO-supported Rotorua half and then um, lining up at the weekend for, for Tauranga. Um, maybe Bevan and I both commented earlier in the show, um, we saw, saw your Facebook posts and your race report and it's not your stock standard swam, you know, rode at 300 watts and ran at, you know, three minute 30Ks or whatever it might have been. It was, uh, it was a bit different. So, you know, on the face of it, I'm, I'm thinking before, before seeing that, I'm thinking, oh, he must have had a really good race. You know, he's, he's, I knew you'd exploded on the run, but I thought up until that stage, probably feeling pretty good. You're beating Braden Curry, Mike Phillips and Jack Moody and others. But it didn't sound like it was, yeah, in terms of how you felt, it sounded like a pretty ropey old day. Yeah, well, it's just interesting. Like, I think every athlete would understand when I say I had, like, the taper blues. I felt just horrible in race week. And I thought, oh, it's just part of taper. You know, my body's trying to figure out to recover and, and do what it does. Um, but I just felt off. And I went for a jog the day before the race. And my heart rate was kind of – my heart rate was higher than what I raced at. And I was jogging around the day before the race. And I thought, oh, man, like, hopefully we just kind of come around and, and, and feel all right. And then got in the swim. And, yeah, I just was off. Um, didn't feel powerful. Was kind of cramping. Was kind of struggling with, yeah, just uncomfortable. Um, yeah, on the bike, usually I'm really relaxed and comfortable. But I just couldn't get into a comfortable position and couldn't really push power nicely. Um, yeah, just fortunately, my, the, obviously the bike's my strength and, and I can put out some pretty big power. So, you know, even when I kind of faltered a little bit, it was still a good ride. And I, yeah, rode 158. So, I mean, that can't be sniffed at. Um, 
Mm. And then, yeah, got on the run. And actually, I thought, oh, I got on the run. And I thought, oh, that's, I'm actually feeling quite good. Um, you know, maybe that kind of riding a bit easier or less power has allowed me my, my, run, rig, my run legs to come around. And yeah, got on the run and I, I ran like a 34-minute 10K for the first 10K. And I was my heart rate was, like I say, lower than what I was jogging around at the day before. And kind of was like, oh, I'm cruising here. Like, I'm running really well. Cool. I just need to do another 10K and then I'll be home and dry. But yeah, that last 10K didn't quite go to plan. I started kind of getting a bit dizzy and um, kind of going, oh, like I've actually... But, I, but the thing in my mind, I was taking on the same fuels as what I've taken on, uh, but it was kind of sitting in my stomach. It wasn't digesting and I could just feel it kind of a bit of indigestion. And, and then, yeah, I was kind of thinking, oh, am I not digesting any of this, what I'm putting in? And so, yeah, I kind of went to get another gel and I started really kind of wobbling. Um and just kind of almost too little too late but unfortunately I dropped my gel put it out of my pocket and dropped it and I was like do I go back for it do I not no we'll just keep moving forward because if I stop I'm probably going to stop for a while Uh, yeah and just kind of kept plowing forward and that was literally it like I wasn't in my own head anymore it wasn't me I I can't really remember that last kind of 5k's of the run it was just like I was another entity in my body I was kind of yeah not all there um, and just kind Mm -hmm. of as long as I was kept moving forward and I kind of did the math, I had you know, 3K to go and I had three and a half minutes on Braden in second. And so I thought, you know, even if I'm conceding a minute per K, we're still going to come out on top, but it must've been more than that. Cause yeah, we came out of the, the base track um, of Mount Monganui. So you kind of emerge out of the trees and you can see the finish and yeah, you come back into the crowds and um, yeah, there's someone said to me on the side of the course, Oh mate, don't look around. You chill. you um, you know, you're home and dry, cool. And then my dad, probably another hundred meters up the road, goes, "Kyle, mate, you've got to start. You've got to start sprinting because Braden's right there." And so, yeah, I looked over my shoulder, and sure enough, there he is, absolutely charging. And I was like, "Oh no, he's probably yeah, 15 seconds back at this point." And so I just kind of found something within myself to uh, to dig pretty deep. And it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. You know, my head was looking at the stars, and yeah, I wasn't good. And managed to hold on and yeah, he didn't come past me and kind of got through the got through the finish line and yeah the body uh gave way and <laughs> fell to the ground and then vomited up all of the fuel that i put in all day um <laughs> I was, oh that's that's what happened there it is that um, my body didn't want to digest it it was yeah on the ground at the finish line i can imagine it was pretty rewarding yeah well that's the thing like you know, I was in a lot of pain, like my eyes were watering almost just because of how much kind of discomfort and how horrible everyone's yeah. felt it, right? Like, you know, the bonk, you know, you just, there's nothing you can do Then your mind's telling you to go, but your body's just not there. And that was kind of yeah. what I was feeling, you know, just the lights were on, but nothing was home. And so, um, yeah, I, um, but I was thinking, I don't want to lose this race because I'm in a horrible world of pain right now. But I'll get past the finish line. I'll have a lie down. Someone will come and bring me some water and some sugar or whatever it will be. And then, you know, in 10, 15 minutes time, I'll be fine and I'll be I'll be comfortable again. But if I lose this race, then that'll mean, yeah, I'm def- I've been defeated. Um, it'll mean that I wouldn't get the course record, which there's a bonus that comes with the course record. You oh, know, okay. it wouldn't come with the traction that comes with winning a race. And um, and then I obviously would be so annoyed in myself that I got second. Um, and I just would hate that so much more than the pain that I was feeling in that last I sort of 12 minutes of the race. And so, yeah, you know, 12 minutes of the race or, you know, 12 
potentially weeks of me being annoyed at myself. So yeah, I took keep plowing on and keep hurting myself and yeah, and then you can have a lie down and obviously that's what happened. It's, just, it, it, lie down it's about knowing who you are in that moment, isn't it? It's, you know, that's what we want to figure out. Eh? It's, it's who are we in that moment and to kind of step through, step up is kind of rewarding, isn't it? Absolutely. Like um, I was actually, I'm fascinated by kind of um, almost like war heroes and some of the stories yeah. that those guys are telling and, you know, they're marching, thousands of k's or whatever it is with feet that aren't recognizable anymore and they've had no food in a week and that's what toughness yeah. is and that's what yeah. i try to yeah. emulate as if i can be a percentage of what those guys are going through for another 12 minutes then i can do it and this human body can actually push through that mm. so when, you, when you're in a slightly more coherent state you know obviously that last 5k you kind of on fumes but you know you, you're probably in most of the race you've done you've been out there by yourself for, for long periods of time so what are the some of the things that you sort of personally focus on when you're either just cranking away on the bike or, or cranking away on the sort of the mid stages of the run yeah well um yeah so i guess it's just what i'm focusing on is my pace right um uh, i've kind of been fortunate enough that the four halves that i've done i've i've swam from the front and i've biked from the from the front and managed to put time into the rest of the field and then and then kind of almost ran on my terms and ran what I've been comfortable with to make it home and in a decent time nothing blistering but a decent time to hold on and and yeah I've kind of managed to take the course record in all of them but what I'm focusing on is you know I'm I'm still focusing on where everyone else is I'm not necessarily focusing on time I'm kind of keeping I'm making sure that in the swim, I'm efficient. I'm not working too hard. My stroke's not getting too sloppy on the bike. I'm kind of thinking about, you know, it's still, I'm riding hard. I'm riding a power that I'm comfortable with, but I'm still in the back of my mind thinking I've actually got to run 21K off this. Um, so, you know, keep a lid on it. Don't blow up. Keep fueling. Keep aero. You know, keep in this position and, and, and kind of get through it. And I'm also looking at, you know, I lap my garment every time there's a turnaround so I can see where everyone else is on the course and if I'm putting time into them or if they're putting time into me and I can kind of keep an eye on what's going on. You know, I, I could see that I was sort of six and a half minutes at the last turnaround up on, on Jack Moody. And I know that he can run pretty well. So I'm thinking, you know, if, you know, if I have a bad run, I'm still coming out on top. Um, and then on the run, yeah, it was kind of, it's just about keeping a lid on it. Um, just about trying to be efficient, not working too hard, not burning too much energy and just keeping fuel in. Um, which is what I was trying to do on the weekend. But yeah, unfortunately something kind of malfunctioned and I kind of misfired. So it's pretty, uh, obviously really hard to plan this at the, you know, the 2021. Um, but have you got any plans for the rest of the, at least the Kiwi summer before we figure out what's going on in the rest of the world? I do. Yeah. So um, doing a little, we've got a little kind of uh, van life camper. Um, so we're going to do, um, going to go to exterior Wellington again um, and just kind of, off, do a bit of off-road that triathlon that's the week before challenge Wanaka and then I'll carry on going um, and traveling kind of the length of New Zealand to go to challenge Wanaka um, and race there it's just something that I've always wanted to race um, and might as well while well, we've kind of got racing and we're so fortunate to have racing in New Zealand and then we were kind of I called my coach up and said hey look um, financially if there's no racing for the rest of 2021 it's gonna be pretty dire and last year it 2020 it also happened the same where i had to actually go and find work and i was working as a brick layout for my dad and that was kind of all up until about 
five weeks before Rotorua and I didn't want to do that again. You know, I want to put all my energy and investment into into the sport. So I said, hey, look, yeah, I know you're going to put up some resistance about this, but I really want to race Ironman New Zealand. I've done my first ever of every discipline in, in Taupo. First, you know, multi-sport, sprint, Olympic, uh, half Ironman, obviously, last year in Taupo. So I want to debut my full Ironman in Taupo. What do you think? And he said, yeah, we're actually thinking the same thing. And so we've kind of pulled trigger on that. Um, yeah, I was kind of seeing how the body pulled up over Tauranga. So, yeah, I'm going to be uh, lining up at Ironman New Zealand. Are you shifting your training program a lot for that reason, or is it more just kind of having a day out there? It's uh, it's more a fact finding mission more than okay. more than more than going out there to try and uh, take the win. You know, I've got I'm I'm 23, so I'm uh, obviously quite junior for the Ironman racing. Um, you know, I don't have any sponsors that are kind of wanting me to go to Kona or anything, and so yeah, I'm just basically there to give it a go, see what happens, roll the dice, and hopefully throw a bit of a cat amongst pigeons. Yeah, it's going to be a quality field yeah, right it's going to be awesome. with all you guys. So that's awesome. Um, any, anybody you want to give a plug or, or any, um, in terms of if people want to follow you and your progress, you know, any plugs or, or websites or anything like that you want to get out there? Yeah, so I'm just on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I, my Instagram's Kyle Smith NZL. Um, and then my Facebook's just Kyle Smith Triathlete. And yeah, um, we're really stepping up kind of the <clears throat> social media presence. And so you'll be seeing a lot more of what I kind of get up to in training and, and what the kind of the big sessions are that I kind of get up to and um, stuff like that. So if you want, kind of want to follow my journey and follow what I do, um, yeah, just give us, give us a follow on, on social media and yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Guys around the world are not just Kiwis. Um, watch Kyle's name because uh, if you're beating the likes of Braden Curry, um, you're yeah. doing all right. So right. looking forward to I Mean New Zealand. Thanks so much for your time today, Kyle. Uh, thanks, guys. And yeah, take care. We've actually done that interview after we've done this part of the show. So I'm sure you guys enjoyed that. Um, interesting watching his career moving forward, isn't it? Because he's so young. Mm-hmm. Well, he is young, but at the same time, there's lots of young athletes out there that sort of 23, yeah, but 24 deli- but age. delivering. Mm. Oh, totally delivering. You know, that's a stellar field. To take out mm. Graydon Curry. Mm. Twice. You know, like he's, he's, no, he's not a schmuck. Mm. Sponsor John. The Legends brand. So we talked about these guys a little bit before Christmas. Um, they're, they've got the cool gear. I have got the cool gear. So if you've got no fashion sense a la myself and you just want to take the thinking out of it, you pretty much pick anything off there and uh, go check it out and you should be good to win. It's a lot more casual gear as well. They've got a little bit of running uh, stuff, but just casual gear, gym gear, check it out. The shorts are pretty cool. Well, I love the hoodie. Yep. Because I I love a hoodie Mm -hmm. and it's a really cool hoodie. So if you want to check out some really cool gear, just go to legendsbrand.com. Uh, I don't know if we still have a discount for the code for them, but if not, just go there anyway. Yeah, because I, I am tall. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pull up discount code at the end and see if it still works. So okay, check go. it out, legendsbrand.com. There we go. Check, check, check it out. Okay, Jumbo Coochies Corner. Exterra, should I do it? Should you do it, Bevan? Your case? Probably not. Not right now. <laughs> not right now. Although Bevan did say before the show, and we've got it, we should have actually been recording, that Bevan's going to go do a marathon today. Yep. Yep, you're done. I've got a limp, but yep. I'll be a limpy marathoner. Yep, that's right. So as you guys know, last week I did a bit of a ramble on the, the event that I did the weekend before, um, which was an off-road triathlon, quite a long one. Uh, so it wasn't an Xterra branded event, it was just its own little gig, but an off-road triathlon. So I think there's quite a few things to think about if you're going to go down this path, because it's um, not just 
in most instances, it's not just a case of going and biking on a little shitty shingle road. Um, so what you're going to find with a lot of exterior events is the swim is often going to be reasonably challenging. Um, so in the challenge for me in the race I had a couple of weeks ago was it was extremely cold. Like uh, this year it wasn't too bad, but normally it's extremely cold. Other exterior races around the world can quite often be really rough swims. So Maui, for example, um, can potentially be rough. Not that I've ever swum there, but it's, you know, I've seen pictures there of the athletes standing on the start line and the sets rolling in and people are <laughs> looking pretty apprehensive um, but there are plenty of other races that are just lake swims and they're fairly regular so you really want to do your research and then decide if that's the right thing for you so if it's going to be cold um, you're probably going to need to buy some extra gear so for the race that I did I had a, um, a hoodie um, for the swim I had gloves I had booties and I had a thermal wetsuit um, and that made things a hell of a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Hayden, who was also doing it, he actually borrowed Molina, some of Molina's gear and he had the full <laughs> he had the full dive suit um, uh, helmet. So, you know, it covers most oh, really? of your face. Uh, obviously, you can breathe, but then it's completely covering your neck and as much as your face as possible. Wow. Uh, he also had, I'm pretty sure he was had a um, like a wetsuit sort of um, short sleeve top underneath his wetsuit as well um, for, for extra warmth and I think he borrowed Scott's um, wetsuit as well that was going to wear a little bit warmer it wasn't a thermal one but those are the sort of things you need to factor in if you're going to do a cold race because some yeah. of them are really cold and in saying that not, a lot of them aren't a lot of them aren't. You know, we've got another one in New Zealand, which is in Rotorua, which is not that cold. If you go down south into Wanaka, they're not having it this year. But I think that in March, that can be a bit hit and miss, whether it's warm or not. Oh, they're not having the motor tap? No, they've dumped the triathlon. It's changed. Ironman have sold um, the motor tapu race Who in New it Zealand. Over? Uh, just the local organisers, oh. and they've dropped the triathlon for this year. Hopefully, it'll come back. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, you there. could do the Hawaii one? You could do the Hawaii one. Do you have to qualify for that? You do have to qualify for that. And you've got to do an exterior branded race. I saw in New Zealand there's another one up near Wellington, um, which looked really cool. haven't heard too much about it, but it's an exterior branded event and uh, looked like a rough swim, which is great. And that's my second point. You know, if it's a rough swim, do you want to go there? You know, uh, can you firstly, can you handle it? And are you going to enjoy it Mm -hmm. uh, enough to, if you're a bit timid in the swim, is that going to completely ruin your race if you've got a horrible swim? Yeah. Um, and so you just got to decide if that sort of swimming, cold swimming, rough swimming, slightly different sort of stuff, typically probably going to be smaller fields, um, is going to be you know the the right sort of thing for you. So the swim is quite a big factor um, when it comes to deciding if you want to do an exterior race. Secondly, the mountain bike. Yes. Now this is going to vary massively um, from event to event. Really important that you do your research. Um, with regards to the course because in some instances it may well just be riding on a shingle um, road which is pretty straightforward. That being said, you can still fall off on a shingle road pretty easily as I demonstrated at the race where I very nearly came off um, because you're going quite quick and if you get caught in a bit of shingle or a bit of a rough patch, um, pretty easy to get get things sideways. So really do your research with regards to the mountain bike course um, and decide and then then you just got to go out there and, and... figure out what your skill level's like. Um, so tr- probably some of the key mistakes I see people making when they do mountain bike races or triathlon races is they train like triathletes. And it's really important not to do that, um, especially on courses that are you know slightly more technical and they have small pinches because what happens is you know, you're riding along, and, and so if, if I use the example of the race I did, you know, big, fairly big portions of it were, you know, 
steady to moderate state riding, yep. keep things even, and but but then you've got lots of little pinch points where you pretty much not go max effort, but you're really going very spikes. hard for, for a few yeah little spikes in effort, and you, you can't ride to power or anything like that, and the cumulative effect that has is pretty big, especially if it's a long course race, and that's where cramp can become a real issue, and. You know, lots and lots of little short, sharp efforts um, that you're not, you haven't trained yourself to do, and then that's going to come back and bite you in the bum later on in terms of uh, cramping either on the bike leg or um, later on in the run. So it's really important that you don't train like a triathlete, just going out and doing lots of steady state stuff. You learn to train like a like a multi sporter and a mountain biker. And the other f- factor there is it's you know you there are some mountain bike power meters, but I think it'd be very hard, not that I've had the experience, trying to pace yourself with a power meter in many of the mountain bike races. So you've got to learn to race a bit more by feel and make sure you're racing a lot more by heart rate as well just to moderate your effort. That's interesting actually think about power meters because in, in our sport, they're such a valuable tool. But when you think of cycle racing, proper cycle racing, you know, it's more of just a reflection tool, isn't it? Uh, it is, yeah, t- t- it totally is. You can't really be, uh, when you're doing a big long climb, then it's slightly different. Yeah. But if you're in a pack, or yeah. you're not going to be looking down at your power oh, meter. Oh, I can't going, go above this. Oh, I, I, need, I need to ease off a little bit here. I'm just going to drop off the yeah, power time. That. The other uh, thing is skills on mountain bikes. Skills, oh yeah, that's a, that's a whole other topic in terms of developing your skills yeah. and giving yourself enough time. Um, some of the other challenges I typically see is nutrition. And I know if, uh, a couple oh, of people have suffered that, yeah. from this uh, um, in the, the recent race really hard to take your nutrition on board and you've just got to stop at times and take it on because um, you, it's it's rare, well in the event that I did, very few times where you can actually ride along with one hand and be taking on, on nutrition. Mm. So um, you've got to take it whenever you can and um, when it comes to the running, yeah, the running, you know, you just, you'll just get through. But the swim and the mountain bike, you've really got to do some research, Decide if it's going to be something that you're going to enjoy, and it may be it's a bit of a two-year project to to you know to build up your mountain biking skills. So I know with the race I did, first year it was a bit of a get through it. Second year, then you actually know what you're in for. Good stuff. I, 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 like to be honest, really, I'm not much of a triathlete nowadays, but this kind of thing really appeals to me. Mm. You know, something different. Getting on the mountain bike, got a different skill set. Yep. Um, you know, just kind of expand your horizon within the sport, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So if you want to check it out, go check out Xterra or any of the local races in your areas where they're doing off-road racing. John, let's quickly do Winger of the Week. I'm going to say number 15. I'm sitting in 18th so far this week. Oh, it's only Tuesday. Uh, that's this week. I don't know where I was. I guarantee I wasn't in there. Uh, you said number 15 last week. Uh, 15th last week was Jared... Piquen, P-I-C-U-N-E. He did yeah. 19 hours and 34 minutes of training. 19 sessions. It's a lot of sessions. Uh, 3 hours, 38 minutes of swimming. 8 hours, 27 minutes of biking. 7 hours, 28 minutes of running. That's a lot of running. Nearly nearly ran more than your bike, Jared. So nice work. Um, where is Jared Piquen from? Uh, I'm going to say he's from Denver, Colorado. Very nice. Look at those photos. Cool place. The little steps I've got to run up. That'd be a bit of a mish. That's pretty solid effort because in Denver at the moment, I imagine it's pretty snowy. I'm Jared, a Colorado native. I create, shoot, and edit certified uh, and edit. So he's lots of photos. Certified endurance junkie. I swim, bike, and run. Well, you can tell that by basically look at your Strava account, mate. So love your work. Last four weeks, he's done 59 activities. He is consistent, isn't he? Cranked it through the. He had a quiet um, month in October. Yeah, quiet month in October, but all the way th- from April through to September. 
pretty solid volume through there. Okay, let's do a traditional thing of seeing if he's faster than us. <laughs> no, he's not as fast as us, John. But great. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, like, Jared, you're just going up all the time. A, you're an tr- impressive amount of training. B, you're 15th this week, which is solid. Yeah. But C, you're solid. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just a bonus. That's the key to winger of the week. It is. Okay, guys. Uh, John, you let's do your swim set. Swim set today's swim um, brought to you by I Am Talk. Uh, oh, brought to you by I Am Talk, is it? Okay. New sponsor. <laughs> okay, am I paying for your swimming, mate? Yeah. Uh, we started off with a 400 metre. So today's objective was to do a little bit of harder swimming. Um, I've got to start cranking it up. So we, the objective was to do some harder 100s and just start to generate a bit more speed rather than uh, endurance. So not a speed set, but just some higher intensity um, swimming. 400 warm up, and then we kicked off two times 100 IMs. At the moment, we're in a 33 and a third metre pool. So when we do our 100 metre IMs, it's butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, no, no freestyle. Then... You right there? Oh, there was a big sneeze. Big sneeze. Big sneeze. The face started to implode. <laughs> then we did six times 66 um, bands only. Love a bit of bands only. So good for developing a catch. And it's always entertaining when people really suck yeah, at bands only because they really struggle. Bevan, you were hopeless at it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just swimming like an owl. So that was our, our warm-up. And then we were into three sets of five times 100 um, with 166 metres easy recovery. Um, and the reason it was 166 is that to get us back to the same end that we started. So we were doing those, uh, the first set of five 100s, we were doing at a moderately hard intensity, so you know, roughly sort of Olympic distance effort. Then we had that little bit of recovery. Did that burp just come through on your earphones or not? That was my, oh, my phone beeped at the same time. Okay, yeah. burp, burped yeah, on cue. Yeah. And then we, the second set of five 100s, we did at a hard intensity, and then the third set was at a very hard intensity, which was it's not all out, but it's um, pretty solid, and we're having 166 metres recovery between each one. As we moved through each set, we'd get a little bit more rest, so we did the first set on the um, 140, second set on the 145, third set on the 150, so we were getting more and more rest as we moved through, um, A, because it was an extra five seconds, and B, we were swimming faster, so the last sets, um, we're getting plenty of rest. Do you, do you ever just do the same sets for like six weeks? No. Why not? Uh, just a bit boring. No, but like, like you think of like a run training, you mm-hmm. know, like when you, when you when I program, I'll get people to sit in a period of time with, within a certain level, and they'll adapt to that level, and then I'll change it, and with, with some you don't do that in the pool. Yeah, um, with some athletes, you might do something like I sometimes do a bi-weekly sort of set. So you might be building up, say, a set of um, you know threshold 200s. So first time you do it, you might do four 200s, and then you have a week off, and then the next week you do five, and then the week off, and then the next week you do six. So I'm certainly saying, I mean, if I was swimming five or six times a week, then I probably would have some sort mm. of steady state set in there. Um, it's interesting because a lot of programming, you will kind of get people to sit within a kind of certain workout for a few times so they get used to getting get improvements in that workout mm. and then you adapt differently based on the results of that but it's just interesting it's not really a thing in swimming as much is it? No You have, have themes of swimming don't themes. you? Themes so yeah. it might be Friday is always sort of your steady state yeah. day so one week might be 15 100s the next week it might be same duration but you might do 8 200s mm. or something like that This is interesting isn't it? Um, we finished off with 433 metre sprints and then warmed down I think it was about 3200 or 3300 metres so yeah, it was nice to be in the pool nice and early this morning and before the day really cranks up. John, have we got the interview at 10.30? 10.35. Okay, we can probably get record, keep on rocking on then. Okay, uh, patrons. We have uh, Jack Cousteau Lynch. We've got Colin Hungry Like a Wolf Durant and we've got a new one, John. We have, actually, uh, and it's Nathan 
Reagan. And he's got here, I've been listening for around three years, although I've gone back and listened through to episodes from around 200. Um, I'm an underground coal miner living in New, New, uh, Newcastle in Australia. But he loves, this is what I can't understand. I live in Newcastle with my wife, my two-year-old child, daughter. Uh, he's a mad Sydney Roosters fan and a Green Bay Packer, so he won't be happy about his last favourite. Packers are out, aren't they? Packers lost yesterday, oh, and then yeah. the Roosters lost last year. Right. Yeah, so not a good year for him in sport, but enjoy watching most sports. I've been racing triathlon for three years now and have completed three seventy point threes and raced Ironman Australia in 2019. I struggled with motivation over the past few months, but I am back into training, gearing up for... Uh, Tweed Enduro Half in March and I am in Australia in May. Keep up the good work, guys. I look forward to the podcast each week and really appreciate the work that goes into the interviews and the different segments. He's got a nice little picture there oh, with his a lovely daughter. photo. She's got good smiley eyes. I love smiley eyes. So Nathan Regan from Australia. Well, I was going to go gold digger. He gave me money. We could do that. Well, I was going to do like the, a mole, the mighty mole. Oh, nice. Yeah. That works well for me. Do you know why? Because I've been reading lots of books on spies lately. Okay. Yeah. So you could take that whatever angle you want. The mighty mole, because you're obviously a miner, um, but also you could be a little bit sneaky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're making that assumption about you, Nathan. If you support the roosters and the packers, you must be sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, Super Bowl is looking interesting, isn't it? I don't really follow America's Neither, sport. really. But and everyone in America is going to think, what's he talking about? Mm. But what you've got in this Super Bowl is you've got, who's the guy, Brady? Legend yep. Tom Brady, yeah, won most Super Bowls of all time. Legend, mm-hmm. kind of thought this year they wouldn't do much. He's gone on and made it to Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then you got is it Patrick Mahomes who is they're saying he's going to be the best player of all time. Right. So you got this kind of the legend of the last generation with the legend of this generation. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really interesting. So there you go. That's your Super Bowl update from Evan. Yeah, I can tell as you're typing away. Uh, John, if you want to get the show emailed to you, well, well, I'm okay. Thanks. You haven't, got, you haven't got my bits here. What am I going to do? It must be down the bottom. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Oh, yeah. Email to you. I am talk. Uh, I am talk. Dot me. At, uh, you can go there. Come on. Front yeah, page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody I'll, knows I'll what they're getting an email to. Uh, become Patreon. Go to the same website. Coaching. Coach on Houston.com. Bevan James Isles Show. Now, I actually did a podcast on how to deal with diminishing times. Because right now, I'm in a diminishing time. I'm losing fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, so how to deal with that. So it's a, I did a good podcast on that yesterday. Uh, other content, Age Group of Week, cool websites, other feedback, go to our website or you can email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. So you did that podcast between cleaning windows. Yeah. yeah. It's looking good, but yeah. what, I did these ones. I got, I got the methylated spirits on these ones. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, what's been happening, Bevan? Um, I went to see Jersey Boys oh, on Friday night. Amazing. It really is, isn't it? Really, really good. Because you don't realise how many of their songs you know, eh? Oh, it's wicked. Yeah. Uh, and we're not even that. We're, we're in that era. Their songs were in the 60s. Yeah, but you just, like, because I, I, Joe and I saw it in New York when we were there one time. And you'd heard it was good. It's like, cool, you know, I know Frankie Valley. And I was like, just every song, I know that song. You know, mm. they're just a hit And it was a cool story. The cool thing about in Christchurch, we go to a place called the Court Theatre, and I think it was about, it takes about 400 seats. And so it's really yeah. close up. Every like, there, there, was, uh, there was a guy sitting next to us. He went to see it in London. He said it's so much better here. And the guy, oh, really? the, the lead, who was Frankie Valley, his voice was just Well, you'd have to be amazing because Frankie Valley was a freak. Yeah. You know, it's about to pull off that voice. Yeah, so that was... Uh, that was Do you like theatre? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, but that was, I, I'm going to say that was my... I enjoyed that musical the best out of everyone that I've seen so far. Have your kids got Disney Plus? No. 
Well, I have for a month occasionally when, <laughs> when I'm feeling generous. <laughs> if, next time you feel generous. <laughs> yeah. Although they're probably getting a bit old for Disney Plus. Uh, watch Hamilton. It's oh, yeah. I'm a bl- London wants to take me in Hamilton. That's one I haven't seen. But, but they've got it on Disney Plus now. It's right. phenomenal. I've done Jesus Christ Superstar and Amazing Color, Joseph and Amazing Color Dreamcoat and all those yeah. ones. But I just enjoyed this one more. Technically, it wasn't in, anywhere on the yeah. same scale, but just uh, enjoyment factor. One of the funnest awesome. ones that was was bizarre. I, I, I've, I've been, every time I've overseas, I don't seem to go once here. But so Tyler and I went and saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, yeah. And you kind of think, well, how are they going to make the car good? You know, like, you know, mm. you're thinking, oh, this will make it special. Well, oh my God, God knows how they did it. And they did this car and it flew and they did it in ways where you couldn't figure out how they did it because the angles were and all the rest mm. of it. You go on the internet, people still haven't even figured out how they've done the car. <laughs> it was absolutely phenomenal. It was pretty mm. special. Anyway, outside of that, Bevan, I've got the Corsia Classic Triathlon coming up this weekend. Looking forward to that. And you're no, organising. Huh? Part of the National Series. That's, that's one's been around forever. Yeah, it has been, well, on and off, on and off, yeah. Okay. If we went back to day one, it has been, but there was a fairly long, long hiatus. So other than that, Bevan, yeah, tired my weekend. That's probably got the, the worst transition in the world. It's a very difficult transition. I'm actually doing a little tip on that for the Triathlon New Zealand Facebook page today. Oh, it's a go. tricky one. Bevan, we've got uh, about two minutes. What do you got? Um, well, I had my back operation, really successful. Um, we're very lucky in New Zealand, both in the public and medical system. Everyone who I've dealt with has been absolutely phenomenal. Actually, I need mm-hmm. to write an email thanking people. Um, and then just not doing much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kind of, admittedly, I'm not that limited. Like, I can move. It's not like I'm like bed bound, but you are pretty restricted in what you can do. So I've just been, oh, I read a really good book. Mm-hmm. By a guy called Ben McIntyre, who wrote The Spy and the Traitor, which was one of my favorite books a couple of years ago, about this guy called Ken Philby, who was basically the biggest spy ever in the history of England. All right. Fascinating book. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. He was like a spy for like 30 years. Mm. And he was basically one of the top guys. Mm. And, uh, and everyone loved him. Mm. And turned out he was a spy. Fascinating right. book. So uh, maybe I'll tell you guys next week. So check it out. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. We've got to record our interview. I'm Russ. I'm mean, Train hard. Train smart. Kia kia.